and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yeah. How you doing? Uh, I'm a good question. I don't want to, this is going to be a fun episode. I don't want to bring things down right away, but I did want to mention given what happened in Atlanta earlier this Mm -hmm. week and given the rising tide of uh, violence against Asian Americans that we've seen in recent months in this country, we wanted to say that uh, uh, our book that is still for sale for the rest of March if you buy that book, all the proceeds, uh, I mean, I guess the shipping still goes to pay for shipping, but sure. all of the cost of the book uh, will be donated to uh, Asian Americans Advancing Justice Atlanta. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to mention that right up top, because if I do it at the end, people, you know, people turn off the podcast before the end. Exactly. And, and so I wanted to make sure to mention it uh, right up top. Uh, again, sorry to be a bummer right at the beginning, but this is uh, very important to us. And this is uh, uh, something we felt that we could do. Yeah about it uh tyler anything to add to that um just that uh, i mean obviously it's horrible it's frustrating that uh that like i was reading up on why this might be happening and obviously the this is how uh dumb i am uh my first thought was like the only reason I, the only thing i could think of not that there's a justification for it, but like are people like, are people still mad that parasite won best picture? And then I realized that like, Oh no, it's the, I get it. It's the whole COVID thing. And people are probably irrationally blaming uh, Asian Americans for that. And it's just so infuriating that people are just so angry and so uh, willing to act out on that. And they will look for just the most surface level uh, target. And it's uh, I, it's, genuinely inhuman and uh so yeah absolutely um this uh this it's not much what we are able to do but we'll do what we can so uh please do uh check out the book you'll get a book out of it but also yeah we don't see any of that money for the next for the rest of the of the month uh that'll go to uh, what is the organization again i want to make sure i got it right asian americans advancing justice atlanta atlanta it's specifically the atlanta i guess yes so uh that said, I, uh, I also want to tell you about tweaked.com. Tweaked.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Tyler and I use, use them, uh, each and every day of our lives. Tyler today, uh, I was listening now. I, I know you, uh, care about pro wrestling more than I do, which is true of almost anyone. Okay. Uh, well, hang on. <laughs> let's, let's slow down. I grew up and, and I watched wrestling when I was growing up and then I stopped at like age nine Okay. But I have memories of that. That doesn't mean I, I follow it right now. That was going to be my question. Do you follow okay. it right now? I do not. Because uh, I guess you don't. So you don't know who Brody King is. But uh, no. uh, Brody King is a professional wrestler. And he's also the front man for uh, a really good hardcore, hardcore band based right here in the San Fernando Valley sure. called, called God's Hate. And um, oh, <laughs> their album is uh, their band. Their new self-titled album is is awesome. And also, their the promo photo they took for all like the press release is them standing in front of Salsa and Beer, which is a North Hollywood sure like Mexican restaurant institution. Um, and I just uh, I don't care about pro wrestling, but uh, God's Hate is a great band, and I love that they're repping for the Valley so hard. Um, they even include. <laughs> 
they include uh, in in that album they have a snippet from the movie ghostbusters 2 okay of bill murray yelling at vigo like if you had brain one in that huge head of yours, you'd be living the sweet life in Southern California's beautiful San Fernando Valley. <laughs> <laughs> and I, so I love it. It's a, they're not just a hardcore band called God's hate. They're a Valley band. And exactly. I, and I like yes. that. And it sounded great on my tweaked audio, tweaked audio.com. Let me try this again. It sounded yeah. great on my tweakedaudio.com earbuds that are available at a low, low price at tweakedaudio.com. But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Tyler? Yes. We have a guest. We're going to have a fun time. Uh, tell us who this guest is. I'm sure our guest is super uh, happy that we uh, brought the tone down immediately uh, before we introduced him. Uh, I he feel is, like I brought it back up with the... Yeah, uh, absolutely. With the Bill Murray thing. The, you, the you quoted hardcore band thing. Yeah. You quoted a comedy, which is nice. Uh, he is a comedian. And at this point, I'd say he's a, an academic uh, who knows a lot about comedy He's written a book called The History of Stand-Up, I believe. Uh, it is Wayne Fetterman. Wayne, how you doing? I'm doing well. This is our first socially distanced yeah. podcast. Not at one of your homes or apartments or yeah. something in the valley near the Wendy's. That's how I remember your place. Are you still near that Wendy's? I am near that Wendy's. I, I love that Wendy's. Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> You're talking about the Wendy's by the Walmart? And now it's like right off the freeway. Like as soon as Oh, that's right. There are two Wendy's. There's one by a Walmart and then there's one uh, at, uh, I want to say uh, Oxnard and uh, Sepulveda. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I'm, I'm not hurting for Wendy's. Don't you worry. Cause when I, and Wendy's when I is come... my favorite of those, of all burger uh, fast food burger places. Mm -hmm. I prefer Wendy's. Uh, yeah. When I come from, cause I live in the Eastern part of the Valley so I'm driving west down Roscoe to get to your place. So I pass yeah. the Wendy's by the Walmart. Look, you're but covered yeah, you, no matter but, where you're coming from. No, your uh, your neighborhood has every fast food chain in existence except McDonald's, which is super weird. Yeah, you're I guess welcome. You quick, quick, yeah. I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt. Can I ask you a quick question? Is that Walmart near what used to be the old Montgomery Ward that is, it is. now it's, empty? It's right across the street from it. Yeah. Yes, I've been there. And that Montgomery Ward parking lot is currently a uh, testing what? site, a COVID testing mm -hmm. site. Um, well, but yeah. Well, I, the interesting thing is when I was when I saw that the first time, and I was shooting something in that area. I don't know what it was. I don't want to brag, but I was shooting something. And I was like, I was looking at because Montgomery Ward used to be such a huge chain, yeah. and a huge um, catalog, like the Sears catalog that went out. It was like Junior Sears. I mean, it was huge. And now it's like you can barely see the name of it on that building. It's just an yeah. abandoned building. How would you describe that where you can kind of just make out like the the 
the letters essentially it's grime it's yeah, yeah. The, the grime is you can make out the letters uh in in grime so it's i don't know if the whole chain is closed but i just but right across the street i mean the same location yeah gleaming new walmart teeming with people and i, I wouldn't say it's to... gleaming or new it's actually the crappiest walmart i've ever been to in my how life how old is it though it's old it looks old uh oh, okay like I've, you know, it like I've teaming uh, though. It was teaming with people. Oh, that's definitely true. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, I, well, first of all, I love that this podcast has already evolved into San Fernando Valley minutia. <laughs> I could talk about it all day. No, but, but I'm um, sure there's I've never some... even been in that Walmart, but is that the two story Walmart? It is two stories. Yes. Yeah. I've, I've heard. Yeah. Tell. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It is. Uh, go ahead. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. It's connected to a mall, uh, a, a sort of a small, uh, it's on the small side, that mall. Uh, and I think it's just called the Panorama Mall. And so if you, if you want an indication of how old just that whole structure is, just look at the lettering on the, on, the, on Panorama Mall. It looks, it looks like the, again, the eighties vision of the future. It has that kind of uh, look to it. And I know they're going to revamp it. And I think they, uh, the, the plans got shut down and they were going to, there were plans to tear down that Montgomery, that old Montgomery ward and like redo it and have it be like this very hip shopping center that hasn't come to fruition. It's been, you know, there are a lot of, there are big plans for this area that just never quite happen. <laughs> so, well, I don't want to brag, but in my neighborhood, which is up and coming. That's how <laughs> the only re reason I can afford property, by the way, when you first met me still renting, sure. still was a renter. Now I'm an owner. Uh, Olive garden is about to open. In my oh area. man. The first oh, one, wow. I think in Los Angeles, you know, like there's that one in Burbank, but, Burbank, uh, but, but yeah, Angeles, yeah, correct. Yes. yeah. Yes. There's, there's one in Glendale. I think there's uh, so I am, if they do it right, it's going to be so great because it'll be a combination <laughs> of like families that'll go there, just working class families sure. from this neighborhood. And I think if they do it right. They'll be able to get the hipster Hollywood people to come as kind of an ironic yeah. dinner. They, right. They just come like, and comment on the breadsticks. Yeah. The whole yeah. Time. The whole thing, the whole thing. Yeah. It'll be like, yeah, I'm, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I'm just saying it's very exciting times. Very exciting. Absolutely. Um, last Valley thing. You mentioned Panorama. If you kept going past yeah. the Walmart and the Montgomery Ward back east on Roscoe you, uh, through Panorama City, you'd pass a Kaiser Hospital where my wife was born. Wow, oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. Your your wife is like a very much. A, I don't. I don't mean to say Valley Girl, but like this is her life. This whole this area. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, I I I kind of admire that. We moved around a lot, and so there's no one place that I identify with. And I've lived in Los Angeles longer than anywhere else at this point. Uh, we've been here about 14 years, but uh, yeah. So, but that's neither here nor there. The thing that we want to know about. Yeah. First, first things first, Wayne. I mean, it's been over a year since uh, since lockdown and all that. How are you yeah. doing? You doing okay? Yes. Yes, I am. I mean, knock on wood, uh, Friday, which will be tomorrow. I don't know when this drops or whatever expression this, you guys this use. Will, this will drop on Monday. I'll drop okay. it on Monday. Okay. So this I'll, thing I'll will, drop it on all your heads can't on you Monday. gently put it down or switch it <laughs> online? There has to be a drop. Okay. Whenever. So this, I will have had my first inoculation vaccination i'm not sure what the right term is um it's going to be from the pfizer corporation mm -hmm. so then three then i go on the clock three weeks later i get the second 
I get my second one tomorrow. Uh, oh. yeah. Oh. So, um, where, where did you, where will you be going? I'm doing it through my college. I, this is so amazing oh, right. because you knew me before I had property and before I was a teacher. Yeah. Right. I'm you also a teacher. That's why you, you and yeah. I are essential Wayne. That's yes. <laughs> You know, my uh, part-time adjunct instructing at community college for film. Obviously, you don't get more Same essential thing. than I'm that. In the, I'm in the adjunct community. Yeah, it's a community. So, yeah. Yeah. So they're doing I'm doing it through there at USC yeah. at their uh, I think at their sports center where they play basketball. They're in the tournament, by the way. I went to um, UCLA and apparently I'm supposed to not like USC. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't follow that kind of thing, but uh, yeah, I got mine up at uh, magic mountain, uh, which what? was, which was really in creepy, but in, in, in the parking lot. No, no, no. It's, it's all in the parking lot. I didn't ever even got out of my spoke car about this on this very show. I'm going to call it back, but you know, that's a six flags organization. I know I, because I grew up in California and I only ever knew it as Magic Mountain. I, right. I know that it's Six Flags Magic Mountain, but that's how I knew it. And so that's right. what I how I refer to it. But uh, it's really like weird. Had, but the like that you had to clarify, you got it in the parking lot. They didn't put you on, on X2. The, on X2. <laughs> on X2. <laughs> and just jab you as you fly, like as you float by. On Batman? Admittedly, uh, I didn't get one. What are the new ones? There's a new coaster. Oh, the new ones, I don't even know. I, I remember the ones from when I was a kid. There was Colossus and Viper oh, yeah, and all those. that. Oh, yeah, that's still Viper's relatively new. Is it? Okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a steel. You know, it's one of those. I think we'll the, leave it at that. the one that was, and, and now we're going to get into Santa Clarita minutia, but uh, <laughs> the one that was new last time I went there, which admittedly was probably a decade ago, if not more, was I think uh, it's not, it's called like Tattoo or something like that. And it's like, it's based um, on the character from uh, Fantasy Island. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, if you can I, have I your Batman, why not tattoo? I can't remember exactly what it's called, um, but it's uh, it's a dangling like you sit like with yeah, your feet dangling, you know that kind. But then it, it's the thing comes down and then it pitches forward, so you're like yeah. kind of uh, lying, supermaning yeah. it like uh, 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 the whole time. It's super cool. Oh, that's right, Wayne. You're a you're a coaster guy too, right? Yeah, I love that you remember that. <laughs> Are you a member of American Coaster Enthusiasts? ACE, uh, baby, yeah. all the way. Yeah. Not anymore, but I was a member of that organization until I had one activity, group activity with them. And then I was like, I don't think I can be part of this subset of humanity. I don't mean subset <laughs> in under, I mean subset in the math. Sure. Form. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just I want to be clear. I don't think they're subhuman I, beings because I like roller coasters. I think I do remember talking <laughs> about this before. They tend to be shut-ins who just go out for that. Um, I, do, yeah, I do remember talking about this before because I think I brought up the fact that uh, William Peterson's character on CSI, one of his little like character oh, uh, traits that I wrote in, is that he was a coaster enthusiast. I love it. This is the greatest name, an enthusiast. I'm <laughs> yeah. so happy that was part of my life. It does. like The word enthusiast, I yeah, think, yeah. It runs really runs counter to roller coaster. Um, now because, we are enthusiastic. Well, this oh, was, I have no doubt. The, what, this was pre-internet. So once the internet happened and you could sure. see where every coaster was, there was no, their little guide to coasters across the world was not worth. Did you... Um, it was a, a, an original documentary on HBO. It's good, not great, but it was interesting. And it's called Class Action Park. 
And it's about oh. that, uh, that place in New Jersey that was open for a little while in the eighties called action park in which a lot of people got hurt. A lot of, oh, okay. a couple of people died. Uh, and, uh, it's an interesting documentary and it's, I don't think, I don't know if they had any roller coasters per se, but they did have like water slides and that sort of thing. And it was just very poorly run and very dangerous. And the documentary is often funny, but thankfully it, at a certain point it, they, it takes a darker turn and they're like, yeah, people actually died. We can't laugh at that. Uh, but it's worth watching if you have HBO class action park. Yeah, I do have HBO. I will check it out. There was a, uh, there was an insane, I can't believe it existed place in Florida. You know, I grew up in Florida, right? I did not so, know that. I forgot. Yeah. So I'm from Florida, you know, one of the most unregulated places in the United States. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a place called Pirates World that was right near my house. And they had the original steeplechase or maybe the rebuilt steeplechase from Coney Island that went down there. And it was very dangerous. Some kid got there was like a snake on one of them. And this <laughs> kid got bit by a snake on a ride. It was just classic Florida. <laughs> Pirates World. Classic for Florida would have been if there was like a gator uh, up there. Yeah, or I know, something. I know, I know. But it was just. Everything's repurposed down there. <laughs> so uh, um, I'm trying to remember when was the last time you were on the podcast? Well, when... do you count doing a uh, commentary? Because I think that's the last time I was hanging out with you guys. I don't think we officially count that uh, okay. as far as episodes proper. I feel like you were on one of our every 50 episodes. We do a thing where we have like two of our favorite guests on. And I feel like the last time you were on was like episode maybe 700 or 650 or something like that. I don't remember exactly. But uh, but yeah. So the, the reason I, asked, I think the last time maybe I saw you, Wayne, I ran into you at the at, at this point, still the last in-person TCM Classic Film Festival. Yeah, I remember yeah, the screening yeah. of Don Siegel's The Killers. Um, oh, man. And uh, so now we, uh, uh, we're coming up on our second in a row of uh, TCM Classic Film Festival at home edition. Um, uh, are you uh, excited? Are you bummed? Or are you, I don't are you know gonna... much about the at home edition. I'm bummed. That was one of my favorite things to go to. Mm hmm. And luckily I had like a hookup because I'm friends with Ileana Douglas and I was like her plus one. And then she would be like, I'm tired. I'm going to go home for, and I would be like, Oh, that's interesting. I'm going to see six movies while you're at home. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> it is so It's just everything. I love everything about it. I mean, I have so many great memories of dozens of the last festival I saw working girl, it was incredible at the Chinese. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's um, to to be with. There's there's something about uh, you get all the the thing about TCM. You get like the best parts of a film festival, which is that it's people who love movies coming together to watch movies right. together, and not the sort of um, stressful or negative parts of like a new film festival where it's like yeah. about buzz and, and, sure. and, and a bidding war. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a 24 is involved. Yeah. yeah. A yeah. <laughs> 24 is not going to be picking up the rights to, yeah. to hello Dolly. You just get to watch hello Dolly with a bunch exactly. of people. <laughs> uh, yeah. I miss, I miss it. Like, as far as things that I miss uh, during these pandemic times, during these trying times, right? Um, it's way up there uh, on the list, the TCM Fest. No question. No question. 
Now, uh, Wayne, have you uh, have you seen any movies lately? Um, I have. I have. I've been watching. I've been a little bit on a documentary jag. Okay. So, God, I, I guess I should have prepared. What what movies? I, I can tell you the last two movies I saw before shutdown. Oh, geez. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. What was that? In the movie theater. And the one I wanted to see, didn't see it. And the next night, the theater closed. I should have gone that night. The one I didn't see, but I eventually saw later was the uh, No Way Back or The Way Back or something. The Way Back with Ben Affleck. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was the the one I wanted to see because, you know, I'm a basketball kind of guy. So I really went and he was getting kind of good reviews. But the two I saw, Double Feature. Ready? So I paid for a movie, snuck into a movie. Classic Fetter. I'm 60 years old. I'm still doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing changed. Nothing changed. Uh, I'm I'm a Florida kid. What can I tell you? (laughs) You can't take the Florida out of the... I could easily pay for that second movie. No, I'm not going to do that. Um, Was Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, wow. Followed by The Invisible Man by Bloomhouse Films. Wow, that is a real uh, uptick in quality there. I got to say. Crazy thing. Yeah. Uh, both same plot. Same exact plot. <laughs> Jim Carrey so, is just totally gaslighting Sonic. It, it turns out the me. reason that Elizabeth Moss can't see her abuser is just because he moves right? so fast. Well, yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Uh, um, my uh, Beat for beat. Those, and then I was <laughs> shut down. And then I've seen a lot of movies. And I will tell you about some of them later. Go ahead. Uh, my answer for a year for what, what was the last movie you saw in the theater has been kind of a lie. I've been, I, I say Emma, it was the last movie I saw in the theater. Cause that was the last like time I Emma. went to, uh, yeah. The, what is that? What is that? Uh, uh, the uh, Emma, the, um, Oh my God. Is it Jane Austen? Jane Austen. Uh, yes. The Jane oh. Austen adaptation, uh, Emma. It's, uh, it's good. It's a good movie. Is um, Emma Stone in it? Uh, no, that's <laughs> oh, that would be great. Emma is Emma. Come on, right? Uh, Why are I pre- You could save so much ink just uh, in the po- on the posters. Is Emma. Oh yeah, no, it's it um, it going on. She's going to the the phone. I love it. Uh, Anya Taylor Joy. Anya Taylor Joy is yeah. the uh, play, plays Emma. Um, so that's been my answer. But the truth is that two days after that, I went to a press screening at an actual movie theater uh, at, the, at the Grove for My Spy, the uh, uh, Dave Bautista, like uh, little kid, uh, you know, big. Every like wrestler turned actor has to do like a movie mm-hmm. or athlete turned actor has to do at least one movie with a cute little Moppet. And My Spy was uh was 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 dave bautista's and then it didn't come out and then it like sort of petered out onto amazon prime uh, six months later um but yeah it it, i've been lying because it's just painful to admit that the last last movie i saw in a theater was my spy i know i feel like you should embrace it Yeah, although it was a press screen, so you didn't pay to see it. So you could, you could, I didn't pay to see the (laughs) right. Sorry, you weren't committing any crimes, uh, to to see it. Um, yeah, the the last film I saw in theaters was Tenet, uh, because I, oh wow, you did it, huh? Jen and I were, we were in uh, Arizona, Arizona, um, yes, 
And so the, we went to see it the day before uh, the kids were born. And because uh, we were like, well, after this happens, we're not going to go see any movies. And then we're going to go back to California and everything shut down. So saw Tenet, didn't uh, love it. Uh, but before that was Birds of Prey also didn't love it. So oh, okay. not doing great for me. I really, Birds of Prey was the first, like, I guess we'll pay $20 to watch this at home sure. thing that I, that I did. Uh, I really liked Birds of Prey. Uh, it has its moments, there. that's for sure. Uh, it's got some good performances and it's got uh, like a really fun, crazy, zany color palette, uh, which I appreciate. But uh, by and large, I didn't, I didn't love it that much just as a whole. But anyway, um, but enough, look, enough about that. Yeah. Oh, I thought we were talking about movies on this. Well, uh, we can, but also at the same time, you know, you mentioned that you're a, uh, you're a basketball fan, so much so you wrote a book about basketball. Yes. You're a comedian. You teach comedy, yep. right? That's that's and what the, comedy and comedy history. Yes. Comedy and comedy history. Okay. Stand um, up in comedy history. Yes. Well, okay. So. You, you wrote this book about the history of stand up, which I want to find out about, but I am curious from Mark Twain to Dave Chappelle. I just want you to make sure you get the yes. whole name of it right. All right. Thank you. I'm sorry. Um, I am curious. How does one teach stand-up? I'm like, uh, I remember hearing that you, that you taught it and I thought like, that's because uh, there are some comedians who genuinely believe it's not something that can be taught. I know it's, and I, I was kind of one of those. I used to make fun of comedians who were teaching it. I thought they were sort of just exploiting young talent to make a little, side money because they they weren't good enough to tour mm -hmm. like that was always my view of comedy stand-up comedy teachers now yeah the because every, every touring comedian is top notch <laughs> <laughs> right i know <laughs> never seen a bad road comedy. they're not even that level <laughs> good point david so uh, so and now the worm has turned and okay. I got offered this job at USC, which is a prestigious university mm -hmm. here in California. Um, you can't really teach here. You can't teach anyone to be funny. That's a given. It's like in the same way you can't teach someone to be a great singer. You just can't. You can, you know, you can take a singer and you can help them and they encourage them, give them some tricks, you know, but so that's that's the first thing. You can't teach talent. And unfortunately, but you can kind of give someone a safe space, not in an open mic to kind of learn and perform in front of other people, do a show. We would do a show at the improv or something like that at the end. So they had that like kind of carrot, like, oh, I get to do a show in front of, you know, friends of my friends. So I feel like you can help a comedian get better. Yes, you can definitely help a comedian get better. And look, I write jokes. I, I open for Judd Apatow. We write jokes together on the road. I watch his set and I give him tags. I give him other premises. Mm. I did that for Jimmy Fallon. I've done that for dozens of comedians. So I can definitely help someone's act. And then I teach them the big Fetterman three, which is when we talk about writing material, which is clarity, brevity, and specificity. Like I just hit it home. There isn't a comedian. I've yet to see a comedian that's successful that doesn't incorporate that in the writing of standup. Hmm. So there's nobody kind of like rambling on and then loosely get to something. Maybe as a rule, that's, it just has to be clear what you're saying. 
So, so you, you teach at USC. Does that mean, <laughs> so are all of your students full-time enrolled USC students? Yes. So can people, yes. Can, okay. So this isn't like a class that people, that anyone can Not just an extension. Take, take, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you, have you ever been in a position where one of your students uh, does not have talent? Yes. Uh, okay. All right. And what do you, what do you say? It's really them? hard. It's very difficult. And yeah. cause I don't want to be a dream crusher. Right. Yeah. I don't want that. That's not my job to be. I try to think of it as they're not me. They're not a passionate person about stand up. They're just like, oh, I'm in college. I want to experience this. Sure. I want to, you know, I have an elective. I can take this. This is going to be so much better than these accounting classes I'm taking. And I'll get to, you know, hang out with creative people. And Professor Fetterman's kind of fun. And, you know, we have a good time. We try to I try to have a good time in the class. Yeah. So that's how I have to look at it. I can't judge it, but it's it's frustrating, really frustrating. <laughs> First off, do you go by Professor Fetterman? That's exactly what I was going to ask. <laughs> of course, of course. Because I've also, I, I'm realizing, I've Tyler, you've been teaching for years now. I've never asked you what do your students call you, yeah. Tyler. Tyler, just Tyler. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, why you have no authority. You, uh, boy, that's that's for sure. Uh, because I'm not them- I'm not technically a professor. Some of them do call me professor, and it's like, okay, if you're going to call me that, that's fine. But I'm not technically a professor. Neither am I. <laughs> I know, but I feel like you have a certain air of respectability. Uh, and then like Mr. Smith, it's like, oh, that doesn't sound right either. It's like, just Tyler is fine. We're just, we're talking about they film. End, they cares? end up calling me Wayne mostly. They okay. Up, but right. I, I do what, it as a joke. What about like sure. prof? No. Like, are, are there any like Zach Morris types who can get away with like. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I've, I've shaken my fists. It's so many of these, of these slackers. I'll um, tell you what the, the runner in our class is that. At any moment, they can get me fired for some inappropriate thing I say. So it's like, it's kind of a, it's just fun. Like we sort of make fun of cancel culture in our class. And I'm the like, oh, because I'll always say something stupid, you know, just in a comedic riffing way. And next thing you know, yeah. like, Wayne, this is a Zoom qu- It's being recorded. Just so you know, yep. this is how we get you off campus. I, uh, yeah, <laughs> I remember when I was, I was, uh, my very first time like teaching anything i was i was a ta at ucla and you know they give you all these guidelines about just like terms you can use and all that and the very and one of the things that they say is like is like hey try to avoid referring to the group as guys like hey guys it's the first thing i said i literally was like, <laughs> like hey guys and i was like and immediately i'm like well that's it that's that's the end of my career um but uh but no i wayne i totally uh i mean i'm not teaching any kind of uh performance or craft or anything like that yeah. but uh absolutely like it's it's students who they have an elective and so they'll take a film class like hey watching movies how bad could it be and then they realize oh shoot movies have been around longer than 15 years yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and when we get into like silent movies or, or anything older than like 1980, uh, a lot of them shut down. But, you know, you, but then there's that there's those couple that just like come to life and they're like, I had no idea that movies could be, the, you know, and that's that's exciting to me. You know, I've I've I haven't been doing this long enough to be totally jaded. I'm getting there, but uh, I'm still enjoying the experience of uh, exposing uh, kids to, to movies that they oh, would never have great. watched otherwise. Great. 
It's a lot of fun. Rebel Without a Cause was this week in my film oh, history wow. class. So, um, and they seem to enjoy it. And, and before that, uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. So we're getting one into the 50s, one fifty six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, before that, it was uh, tough sledding. They didn't really like Casablanca. I don't know that movie. I don't know that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little lesser known Marx Brothers. Um, tough sledding. Okay. <laughs> but uh, but okay. So you wrote this book. Uh, they didn't like Casablanca. <laughs> I. You know what? A lot of it comes down to, and in case any of them. I don't think any of them have taken the initiative to look me up in any po- any possible way. And I don't talk about the podcast. So, but on the off chance, any of them are listening, I'll try to avoid being really specific, but the number of, of my students who've said that like older movies are harder to follow, which is interesting to me because I feel like s- plots are more complex Simple. now yeah. than they were then, but it's harder for them to follow those because I think all of it's dialogue and, but the, the di- especially in a movie like that, like every character has their own voice. And so you kind of have to decipher what they're saying uh, by sort of sifting through how they're saying it. And I just don't think that, uh, you know, again, these students no, who are totally get, I totally get what they're saying. Yeah. I it's, totally understand that. That does make sense to me. Cause it's like, the language, the rhythm of it, the shooting of it. It's so, it's so different, but it's the same. And if you can break through like, like that membrane and get in that world, it's just the greatest, but I could see that membrane is, can be thick and hard to get through. Well, one of the things that, uh, that they asked early on, and it's something that, you know, I, I've been watching movies for so long that I don't think about it, but people were asking like, why do they talk like that? Right. And then you realize like, oh yeah, like that Cary Grant, Catherine Hepburn, like the, what is it? Like the transatlantic or whatever it's called. Uh, Mid Atlantic, pardon me. Um, it's like, yeah, that doesn't exist outside of these movies and some plays. Uh, and if oh, you've never heard it, more presentational, there's no yeah. doubt about it, but I will say this. I do feel like the acting style today, which is like casual throw away everything. Mm-hmm could be looked at in 30 years as like, Oh, look what they were doing back then. Mm. Yeah. Did did any of these actors care? Yeah. 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 So it's in the same way that like when Brando hit in the fifties, people were like, this is the greatest acting of all time. And now I hate to say it, but I feel like that style is a specific style now that if you try to do, a perfect example is Rebel Without a Cause. I don't know if yeah. you're familiar with that movie. I, I've, I've heard of it. Yes, <laughs> yeah. is the the acting style of uh, Jimmy Dean in that movie? It's not. It's not as good as Tough Sledding. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's not nearly as racist either. Um, Which, by the way, I looked just because I was curious. Uh, according to IMDb, there is a documentary in development right now called Tough Sledding about oh. sled, about sled hockey. Okay. And, uh, there's also an episode of the. The all-new Popeye Hour, which is the early 80s revival of Popeye cartoons. Okay. Episode called Tough Sledding. All Uh, right. And also, the last time Wayne was on the show was October of 2017 for episode 550 with Jim Bruce. Wow. That's far. That's far too long. And I and I but I know that you've I think you've been on commentaries uh, since then. But uh, yeah, maybe done two. But yeah, it's uh, anyway, sorry. Uh, you were yeah. talking about James Dean's uh, no, but God, this is my point. Style. My point of that was state of the art acting that James yeah. Dean was doing at the time, and then I'm sure they looked at the, you know, Humphrey Bogart and uh, Jimmy Cagney and all of these kind of yeah. character guys. That's like, wow, this is old timey black and white acting. 
Yeah, that, has that there was... been another like change that big in acting style? Like, I think the seventies. I think I think uh, like New Hollywood, because what I this week we I was talking about like the nineteen fifties, and so I was talking about like more movies being in color, talking about like you know uh, a wider screen and that sort of thing. But I also yep. talked about. Brando and Montgomery Clift and Elizabeth Taylor and and yeah. all these actors. And they're like, when you, and I said, like, when you watch these movies, it's a very different acting style than we're used to, but, and it's way more emotive than we saw in like Casablanca or any of these other movies, but it could be argued that it's too emotive, that it's, that it's melodramatic. Right. And so like, it's, it's more raw, but still isn't what we would describe as as like real grounded and realistic. I feel like that happened probably in the late sixties, early seventies. But I don't know. I, I don't think that's as big a thing. Like I'm talking about, like m- method is like a name sure. of a thing. Yes. Like is yes. there a new style with a name where you would have uh, like there's the classic uh, uh, Hoffman and Olivia Olivia thing. Like why don't sure. you just try acting? He- are there are there generational differences in acting anymore? Like, do do young can we before we go? I'm hearing them? like a little thumping sound. Does anyone else hear that when you talk? Oh, I think that might be uh, David's uh, microphone, uh, like okay, the okay, earbuds okay. or something. Okay, so but, I'm just um, hearing. Just so you know, I mean, it might be mine. Hang on, I'm just worried about the the uh, integrity of it. No, I oh, think it's David. I just made myself dizzy. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I know I'm interrupting this. I just don't want this podcast ruined because I'm enjoying it. So <laughs> you don't hear like a little kind of like sounds like a, like when you're talking. It could be is the um okay. Is it doing now happening it's now? Fine. Now it's okay. Now, no. What about now? Now just all right. Oh oh, is that it? Yeah. I, I, yeah yeah. There it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, it's so the it cord is what you're against yeah. The, yeah. the chair. Okay. Oh, Good okay. to know. Good to know. All right. Yeah. Um. It's weird. I don't. I'm an audio engineer. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Jack of all trades. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going to be teaching an adjunct at uh, Long Beach Community College. Uh, um, but uh, I, I don't think that there is like a big shift in generational acting at this point, because I think a lot of the actors who who had sort of that more classical style, I think they're all gone now. Um, I think you still have people like De Niro and Pacino and Meryl Streep, but a lot of younger actors at this point probably learned their style from them. So I feel like that's kind of what you have for the most part. Yeah, there's not like a new school. No, I don't think there is. I don't think there is. I don't think there is. But I do think there is kind of, I noticed a lot of people kind of throw away their lines now. Sure. It's a... To be to try to pretend like it's supernatural, but it's not. It's yeah, obvious. you can tell you can tell immediately the difference between a film and a documentary. It's almost immediately you can tell mm-hmm. when someone is doing dialogue and when somebody is talking in real life. And I think, and I'm not trying to say this to like bring things uh, back to your book. You can you can usually tell when a scene in a movie is improvised. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. there is a there's a such a different vibe to those scenes and i don't and sometimes they work really well other times i think they really don't um where they're just like putting so much pressure on the performers like hey say something funny it's like yeah well if you wrote something funny it'll probably work out better (laughs) uh because you probably shopped it and and worked it out uh but yeah so well uh the question i want to ask speaking about movies about comedy and when you wrote a book about stand-up what are the best 
de- and worse depictions of stand-up comedy. You know, oh, it's very, it's almost impossible to do. It's almost I know, impossible I, to do it in, outside of, you know, film stand-up specials because stand-up, the juice, the secret sauce, all right, whatever, of stand-up is a dialogue between the audience and the comedian, even though the comedian is the only one speaking. It's the old Dana Gould. You know, stand-up is a, is a conversation, but only one person is talking. But that back and forth is really what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So you're yeah. basing your reaction on their reaction. So once you're doing it in front of a crowd of extras in a movie, it's just not, it's just, it has going to have a different faker vibe than that. Yeah. There's a movie. Uh, I won't name the standups. There's a movie called the hero with Sam Elliott. Uh, and he's dating a young woman played by Laura yeah. Perpon, who's a standup, standup comedian. And so we see one of her shows and there's a couple of other standups who are, actual standups that right. I've seen perform and that are very funny and even them doing their own material. It, I didn't buy it in, in the movie. And I think, yeah. I think that's exactly right. That's it's why hard, it's really hard to do. I have to say, I thought they did a pretty good job in the big sick of sure. kind of creating yeah. that little, I thought they also did a very good job. Jenny slate. Obvious, obvious child. That's yeah. the one. I, that's the one I was going to, uh, I was going to point out. That's the movie maybe more than any other where I actually believe that there's standup. Yeah, comedy happening. She, yeah. So I don't know how she did it. I mean, that's the, that director. I can't think of her name. Um, um, uh, Rob, Robespierre, Jillian. Yes, Robespierre. yes, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Very good. Damn. <laughs> I do think I love it. Like, how could you remember that? I've worked. I with do her, think I can't remember it. Yeah. <laughs> I do think that it's, one thing that that can be very frustrating is when they get an actor who has no stand-up experience to do stand-up and there's just they just don't have the cadence right and yet the audience is still laughing uh i remember right, right, I, right. a couple years ago i saw a movie called the last laugh not the german expressionist film that is one of my favorite movies of all time but it stars uh chevy chase and richard dreyfus and of those two richard dreyfus is the one that does the stand-up and uh and it's about like this guy who used to be this uh hilarious stand-up and he retired but uh but he comes back after all these years and just the material they wrote for him, like Richard Dreyfus does what he can, but like the material they wrote for him is like really hacky and really obvious. And he delivers it as best he can, but he's not a standup. And this material, you know, even, even somebody who writes comedy movies, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be great at writing a standup routine. No, it's very, you know? it's a very tricky thing. Again, it's hard to capture. That's the problem. It's just hard to yeah. capture. I feel like for for a long time the go to like punching bag no pun intended has been punchline. Oh yeah. Um, yes. But I think the movie a few years ago with Robert De Niro, the comedian. Oh, I was just going to bring it up. Might be the, the new yeah, like yeah, yeah. gold standard for bad depictions of stand up. Well, he's like. Th- there's no better example than one of the greatest, most honored actors in the history of Hollywood. <laughs> like, it's. I don't want to say emba- it's borderline embarrassing. Yeah watching him try to be funny. Yeah. Which is, and, which is crazy. Cause he can be funny. I know in I other know. movies, but it's, but it's such a different skill set. Mm-hmm. He's can be very funny. Yeah. Like I analyze this and wag right. the dog and yeah, like I think he, he's, he's a very funny guy. And even uh, something like, something like uh, the King of comedy where he plays a guy who's not good at comedy, right. but he's funnier there than playing a guy who is good at comedy. <laughs> the movie is so good. 
But and then, uh, and then he's in um, and there's some little clips of stand ups in Joker. Yeah. Yeah. I think Sam is in that. And so they capture a little of that. Yeah. I just love that De Niro's in that movie yeah. and in Joker, which is sort of the <laughs> uh, yeah. modernized version who's of the it. Comedian? Oh, it's Gary Goldman. In, oh, yeah. yeah. He has like he does oh, like Goldman. Right. Goldman. And I think Sam Morrell are both in that. Yeah. 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 What do you think of Joker? I liked it. I was surprised because I was very hesitant about watching it. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't like the trailer. I didn't like the tone of it. I was just like, I don't like these kind of hyper violent mood. Like, but I thought it was really creative. I thought it was really mm-hmm. creative and, uh, and shocking. And I, I thought it was good. I can tell you didn't like it by the way you're staring at me. I, 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 well, I love Joaquin Phoenix. I remember there's a lot about the movie I don't like, but when the movie was over, I literally thought to myself, like, thank God for Joaquin Phoenix. Like he's, he's just one of those actors that is so reliable that he can almost single-handedly redeem uh, material that I think is subpar. Like I, I found him tremendously watchable uh, and I'm not sure if I would have given him the Oscar that he got, but I still like, I don't know. He's, he's, he's an actor who he's like Willem Dafoe to me. And that like, they're going to do whatever they have to do to, to get this, to try to get to the heart of this character, even if they, and I feel like, I feel like he understood the character better than the writer did, if that makes any sense at all. But um, anyway, so uh, my, I, I have a problem, though, with um, Todd Phillips and his use of music, like existing music. What? I think. Oh, my God. That's it, one of my favorite parts of that movie. I see, love I, it. I think he, he has a tendency to go for big songs that we all already know and have associations with, which I think That's sometimes true. I, I think in the Hangover movies and big oh, okay. broad comedies, it makes sense. Right, right, but right, right. In Joker using like uh, uh, the. Oh yeah, that's life is one. But I'm thinking of the the cream song in the white room. Oh yeah, with yeah, black yeah. curtain. That it's just seems white like room. white room. It's such a big like part of the movie, and it's like oh, this song we all already know. It, it just seems like it. Uh, it seems like a distraction. In, uh, and didn't he also in, in no? He like also that. used like a Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers song. Yeah. Right? Isn't there a uh, like cheek to cheek or something? That's and then he uses like send in the clowns, but more specifically, oh, like yeah, a, char- a character on a train, like sings the song in no, its that entirety. Was bad. That was bad. That was, <laughs> that was bad. That was, I will give you that. That was a mistake. But I was like, I just thought, I don't know. Again, I thought the whole thing was looked too arch for me, not arch rival, but like arch. Mm-hmm. And like, I got into it. I, it's as simple as that of like, oh, I'm into this movie. I'm like feeling this guy's journey. And I. So, when the movie came out, I, um, among the jobs that I had, I was teaching uh, film as part of an after school program for, uh, for middle schoolers and high schoolers. And uh, all of the high schoolers had seen Joker. They all loved it, uh, which already I'm just like, uh, I don't. I feel like they're not going to, to the degree that the film has nuance, I feel like they're not going to get it. Uh, <laughs> right, right, right. And then, and I literally, there was a, the, the high school, high school where I taught at, um, it was uh, two story. And I literally, uh, one day I was talking with the students and I saw like another kid, like dancing down the stairs, oh, like right. Joker. Wow. And I was just like, Oh boy. All right. This, to, go ahead. When you say they all loved it, like male and female students yes. both loved it. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. Can I say 
of that kind of genre movie and please school me right now and tell me that I'm in the wrong, that this is stupid what I'm about to say. But there was a movie that I walked out of and their friend of mine's in the movie called it was the sequel to it, whatever that was called. What was that called? It chapter chapter two. two. Yes. Okay. It chapter (laughs) two. Yeah. And it was just like, I can't, I cannot watch this. Like it was just, I just thought it was so gratuitous of what they were doing with violence and made no sense to me. It's just like, I can't watch it. I mean, I watched, I watched all of it and I, but I didn't like it. Uh, And well, what do you think? I mean, you can't get into my head, but why do you think like I could not even handle that and yet easily handle Joker, which is probably as violent, but. Well, I think it has to do with, with, with tone. Like, I think the Joker like takes place in a world where you kind of like expect violent things are going to happen. And Mm -hmm. I'm just projecting because I didn't see it chapter two, but, um, uh, I, I, I like violent movies when it fits the, the world of the movie. I love the John Wick movies. Uh, they're, they're incredibly violent, but that's just like, uh, that's what the movie is. But I had a similar, I didn't walk out, um, cause I don't think I've ever walked out of a movie in my life actually. Uh, but this is going back like, again, like 10 years, but, uh, was it called Piranha 3D or whatever? No, the, okay. like the yeah. Piranha movie, um, is the, like, uh, um, what's his name from Parks and Rec, uh, is in it. Uh, oh, Paul Shear. Elizabeth Shue. Uh, Paul Shear. Oh, yeah. no, who's, who's the guy from Parks and Rec who's in it? Uh, in Party ben Down. Schwartz, Ben Schwartz, Ben Schwartz. No, no the, the dude. Oh, from Adam Down. Scott, Adam, Adam Scott. Scott. That's it? right. Yes. yes. No. Anyway, um, and Jerry O'Connell. Anyway, uh, you know which movie I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. That that movie, especially like the centerpiece, like Piranha oh, attack it's... scene on the spring break thing, is like yeah. Saving Private Ryan level, just horribly gory. And and I was like, I think this movie's like giving me PTSD. Right. <laughs> um, is that the one yet, where they I would can drag... watch John Wick sh- like shoot people in the face for an hour and a half? I think that might be close. I think that might be close. Yeah, because I did see Piranha 3. I think is that where they like they use like paraplegics and drag them out of the water and stuff like that. I think so. I think yes. Yes, yes, yes they yeah. did hire hire not, uh, not with missing limbs. Yes, uh, yes, yeah, people a- with amputees. Limbs. Yeah. Amputees, that's it. Yeah, it's I do think that like I think tone is the word for it, because even though I don't like Joker that much, the way that violence is treated in it is at least it's it's conflicted. Whereas something like it, especially chapter two, regardless of how much they it's like, oh, well, this clown is evil and we're not Uh rooting for it. But at the same time we really want to see that clown eat some kids. You know what I mean? Like there's kind of this winking, like, Hey, here we go. Here we go. And it's like, we're going to give you what you want. It's, it's similar in many ways to sort of certain slasher movies of the eighties where I'm okay with it. I'm okay with a certain level of violence, but there's just something about like, I don't know. It's, it, it's, it's really hard in my experience. Cause I'm kind of the same way as I've, as I've gotten a little bit older, I'm more sensitive to violence and even in the five months that i've been a father uh even more so uh i didn't think that was going to happen to me and it already has uh but it is a it's it's an intangible thing some movies don't bother me at all and they're tremendously violent and others it's just like oh this this doesn't sit well with me at all and it's just that that very yeah that's exactly that's exactly it so that was my experience with those two movies yeah yeah. Oh, well, you you're fine walking. I mean, 
there i think there are only a handful of movies that i've ever that i've ever stopped watching but uh but it chapter two is just so not good uh on so and long it's like two hours and 45 minutes you're fine you saved yourself a lot of time (laughs) that first one's not bad but then the second one came along and i think they were just so eager to capitalize on everything that even vaguely worked in the first one Uh and i and i think they kind of they sort of lost the thread of why people liked the first one it was very frustrating it's not the first sequel to have that problem indeed yes that's true um but look i've also never uh uh walked out of a, a a movie um on on principle of some sort i don't know i right, uh, sure. um uh, i'll tell a story that happened to a friend of mine though he uh, uh a friend of mine who's been on this show but i won't say his name uh went to see the fright night remake and uh ate a bunch of edibles beforehand too many uh, edibles it got too intense and so he <laughs> decided to leave and go sit his wife was like i'm gonna stay and watch the movie and he was like i'm just gonna go sit in the hallway at the arc light because i'm too scared and this tie is too intense and then while he was sitting in the hall in the arc light marilyn manson walked by and it freaked him out even more <laughs> oh, that's awesome did, did we have hunter s thompson on the show at some point because that story of like it's like i'm gonna review this movie but you know what i think i'm gonna do first um yeah it's uh as you know certainly if 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 i have to review something i won't walk out but david you may recall that there is that movie demolition with jake gyllenhaal which i hated so much uh that i ducked out of the screening room and i texted you and i said what's our policy on walking out of uh screenings (laughs) and you said i think you should avoid it (laughs) i said yeah all right and so then i went back and i was like yep this thing just got worse and so in my in my review i said like halfway through the movie i wanted to walk out and i wish i had uh man that movie's awful but uh but i tell you what's not awful i assume is your book the history of stand-up from transition (laughs) (laughs) from i forget who the first person is to Chappelle. Mark, Mark Twain. Twain. Mark Twain to Chappelle. You might All have right. heard of him. Yeah. They hand out a Mark Twain prize every year to comedians. I he's like to mi- think of him as Samuel Clemens, but that's me. Yes, that's yeah. true. He's a Missourian like myself. Yes. Oh, indeed. You can't, uh, you can't grow up in Missouri like I did and not be inundated with with mark right. twain sure. stuff although they tend to avoid the like uh atheist stuff <laughs> right right right. <laughs> like sure like oh he wrote he wrote these like funny you know uh uh rambunctious adventure children's stories um but but uh they, they don't have any uh, they don't teach you about any of the uh harder edged mark twain stuff you oh can yeah find that on your own yeah he was definitely uh very anti-establishment in a lot of ways. Um, but uh, so Wayne, what prompted you to write this book? Well, it was so it was a convergence okay. of numerous things. One was I had been writing one. I'm a lifetime stand up comedy nerd. Mm-hmm. So I was into the history of stand up when I was a teenager. I was into radio shows from the 30s. I grew up in the 70s. Like I was just into it, like 40 years before my time into vaudeville, whatever that was. And uh, so that was one, two. I've been a stand up comedian now for 38 years and counting. So I'm like, I've lived a lot of this history. Mm-hmm. Like I just saw it. I was there as the comedy boom started. I was there when this, you know, so I've lived a lot of it. Three, I started writing articles for Vulture magazine and other magazines about history of stand up, about 
five years ago and they were well-received and it took me a long time to write them. I'm not a fast writer, but I was pretty good, pretty good. And I think I have a breezy style. And then four, the USC class. Hmm. And then, oh, excuse me. And then five, my podcast called The History of Stand-Up. So it was like five things all converged. And then the world shut down. Yeah. And I was trying to get Vulture to print this long form article about the 10 steps in the history of stand-ups. They had done a version of it and we, I, we couldn't get it print. I couldn't get them to do it. So I was like, no, well, I'm just going to write this and self-publish it in a book. Hmm. So, so that was, that was the whole idea. And during That's- COVID. That's uh, super exciting. Uh, you know, there are so many people that meant to do things <laughs> during <laughs> the lockdown. You're actually right. one of the few people that did, uh, did. which is very exciting. But uh, yeah, it's uh, and so uh, where I have where, more questions, but where where can people yeah, where can Amazon pe- Amazon Amazon? Okay, yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. Me and Bezos, we're we're involved with this. You called him up and said, yeah, yeah. hey, uh, there's, ten, there's 10 chapters and that's, it, it kind of goes by pretty quickly. It's just like 150 pages. It's nice. nice. Yeah, it's a very but it's loaded. And I was thinking like almost every page in this book virtually could be a book on its own. Like that. Yeah, I was it could be an entire book. I was going to ask, I mean, obviously you, you have the, the class and, and these other things. Did you feel overwhelmed by it? Like you're like standup is something that is relatively well-documented and there are so many I feel like things to cover. There's, no, I feel like there's never been a book that's talked about the history of standup. Hmm. There's been books about talked about specific chapters in the history of standup. Sure. There's books about comedians who do standup. There's so many of those interview books, books, breakdowns of what comedians do. And but there's books about comedians that kind of cover the history of stand up, but also include like Lucille Ball and Sid Caesar and sure. like people who aren't don't do stand. This is everything in this book has to do with stand up. That was my like thing. Like, what if I'm writing it? What does this have to do with stand up? Yeah. And there was only one time in the book where I diverged from that a little bit. And that was about this character named Oscar Levant who I think is kind of interesting. But when I was talking about Jack, the Jack Parr, which was the tonight show before Johnny Carson. Right. And so anyway, so I talk about Oscar Levant. It's literally a paragraph, but I think he's important. And, but so that's it. There's never been a book that's like drawn a line from pre vaudeville, whatever they were doing in those theaters to right now, if there's something called front facing comedians, I don't even know if you know what that is. Front facing comedians. What does that mean? That means comedians that don't work in clubs use this, mm. use the front facing camera and literally do the bit right to the camera. And huh. there was a famous one who did a lip sync of the president and she, she's got oh, it. Yeah. Net and Sarah Cooper's her name. She did. Yeah. Uh, she got a Netflix special and has now a CBS sitcom. Wow. And there's another one that has a show that's on Instagram live. She's going to be hosting a show on Showtime. She has a variety of shows. Ziwa is her name. Z-Way, you- excuse me. Do you do you take some kind of ex, any kind of exception to the idea that that is considered stand up, seeing as how well, they're not standing up in front of an audience? Well, it's interesting. Part of the story of stand up comedy is comedians adapting to technology. Sure. So is it any different than a Bob Newhart record? I mean, you're listening to it in your room. You're not there. You're hearing mm-hmm. him do. Stand- yes, there's a crowd involved, 
but they're just sort of taking the crowd out of it and doing direct direct comedy directly to it. So hmm. it is one person. It is. Yeah, it's a so. But it, it is slightly different. It is slightly it, different. I, this is me being uh, uh, an aging purist. Let's uh, do it. But is <laughs> is listening to a record actually experiencing stand up? It's like an echo. I, I think of like, I don't think I've. Uh, what I, it's something I used to say when I used to go to stand up comedy shows all the time. Uh, I don't anymore because of COVID. But yeah, even the, mm-hmm. even even uh, without that, I'd cut cut down on how much I go. But the thing I used to say is like, no matter how many times you've seen someone on TV, you haven't really seen them as a stand up until you've been in the room with them. One hundred percent true, and, and, I, and I, th- that's true. But there's a lot of people who never saw who will never see Richard Pryor. And I think you can see those films or those stand-up specials he did or George Carlin. Yeah. And be like, Oh, all right. I'm experienced a version of this. Yeah. That's as close as you're going to get. Just like I'm, uh, I'm never going to get any closer to seeing Hamilton than watching it on Disney plus, but I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if that counts as the full experience of seeing. Right, right, right. So yeah. So it is once removed, but I do feel like it's part of the stand-up universe is the way Um, like the Marvel universe. Is there uh, kind of echoing what I was saying earlier about uh, movements and schools of acting? You mentioned the stand-up comedy boom in the eighties and and the first one we were in, we were in another one when it's all shut down. Oh, see, this was going to be my question. I didn't know yeah. if you were going to say it's in the book and not answer it. But no, I'll answer anything. I'm, have there been other? Trying. So there's been other eras. Like so, after the stand-up boom in the '80s, then there was yeah. like the alt comedy boom, which I don't yeah. know when you would classify those years. The early know. '90s. It started in the early '90s. Yeah. Okay. So then, what is the? Because uh, I feel like when I when I first moved to Los Angeles, I lived two blocks from the UCB and Tyler and I would go multiple times a week and write about UCB. Very important. Yep. um, But, but is that, so what was happening in LA alt comedy in like Oh seven, Oh eight, Oh nine. Like, is that another boom? Is that another era? Is that just a scene that was like really hot right then? That was an alt scene that was very hot here and in New York. Did you go to see like uh, comedy Bang Bang and comedy Death well, Ray? Well, it's called Comedy Death Ray. Comedy Death Ray, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I write about It's in the book. Okay. I write about <laughs> Comedy Death Ray in the book. I feel like it was a really important show because they sort of came up with a new economic model of not to drink minimum. You, people were paying, I think, five bucks to get into that show. Yeah. Is that right? You were there. Yeah. yeah. And you and saw the, like the, huge headliners every yeah. week. <laughs> And the show after, uh, which was unfortunately titled See You Next Tuesday, because it was Tuesday nights at like 11 p.m., was free. It was right, just right, this, right. Uh, programmed by uh, Matt Belknap. We went to yeah, that a lot. Show. Yeah, we, yeah. We, I mean, we were doing every, and this was, we were going to the UCB multiple times a week, but every Tuesday yeah. we were going from like, you know, Death Ray would start at like 7 or, or, or 7.30, and then we'd do that for two and a half hours, and then another hour, an hour and a half. We were just watching like five hours of stand-up straight every Tuesday night. And there and was, was another so part about it that I also write in this book about, there was a website called A Special Thing oh, yeah. involved with that. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I was a uh, regular on the message boards. Tell me about it. Tell me as somebody like, what was that like for you? How did you discover it? Did it boost uh, your interest in stand up? 
I discovered it. Yeah, it's the reason I just started going to Comedy Death Right. I discovered it because weirdly. So Tyler and I were both fans of Jimmy Pardo. Tyler told me about Never Not Funny. So yep. I started listening to Never Not Funny. Matt Belknap, who yeah. is the producer of Never Not Funny, is on long time. There's thousands of people listening to this as well. Um, the producer of Never Not Funny was also the founder of EspecialThing.com. Um, and so that's where I first heard of it. And I started going. I started just like lurking and, and reading it. Um, and uh, uh, that's how I ended up going to shows going to find shows because there were listings of shows and there were shows every like at that time I'm sure there still were up until the uh the COVID, up until covid but it wasn't just like it wasn't just the ucb on tuesdays there was like what's up tiger lily on mondays and right 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 and and there was like the uh the, the two joshes had the show at bar lubich on whatever day mm-hmm. that was there, there were like there were shows every night all over the place fake gallery the tomorrow show every saturday night at midnight which yeah. i hung out yeah. at for years um can, can I, uh, I just i write about it in the book and the way i describe these alt shows were they tended to be once a week shows mm-hmm. usually run and curated by the creator of the show. So it wasn't uh, like some weird booker. It was like, sure. Oh, like, uh, uh, I'm trying to think tiger Lily. That was Maria and, uh, Melanie. Uh, yeah. And Natasha, the zero and Natasha, they would like kind of book it and it was their friends. Uh, yeah. And all of a sudden, Oh, here's DJ Miller's popping in. You know, it was yeah. like, so no God, you guys are right there. That's yeah, really the, interesting. That the was drop-ins. Okay. So, oh wait. So two more things I wanted to say, going back yeah. to see you next Tuesday and you mentioned drop-ins, uh, Tyler and I are actually appear, uh, uh, in the background of one of the special features on funny people, because <laughs> all those, all those stars were dropping in to see you next Tuesday at like 1130 o'clock, 1130 PM on a Tuesday night to like, right. cause they're playing, uh, um, uh, standups. We'd see like Jonah Hill or, or like, uh, uh, Norm McDonald would drop in or something like that. Um, John Apatow would do stand up uh, yeah. uh, at, at CNX Tuesday, and it would it became the word got out that this was happening, and so it became, those shows became so packed that they were literally just sitting people just like cross legged on the stage. Yeah. So so I guess one of the, I've never actually watched it, but multiple people have told me that. Um, yeah, now I features, feel like I maybe you should have added. Plain as day, you. see, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 you can you can see me and Tyler sitting on the stage. The other thing I was going to say about a special thing, and I can say that, like you know I'm still friends with the people who, who ran it. So this isn't really uh, uh, too much of a critique of them, but I do think what happened with a special thing, it was, it was, it, it was a, a, a moment and it was a very strong fan community to the point where standups who were big names in that scene started showing up, started posting regularly. And like, and You're talking about like Patton and stuff, right? Patton, uh, PFT, Doug Benson, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. um, lots of uh, other people. Um, and it was very cool. It was like, wow, we built this thing that like made enough noise that the people that were fans of all know about it and came to us. But then what ended up happening is that flipped on its head where other people were like, Oh, did you know there's this message board where these like famous comedians post? And then yeah. it, it sort of became the tail wagging the dog in a little bit where AST in the later years became like, it, it felt almost like the comedians who posted there were like moderators of the web of the, of the site, which wasn't what it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of, uh, yeah. It kind of strangled itself. Bit. I get it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's kind of how I wow. feel about podcasting, actually. Like in the <laughs> early days, uh, 
with the exception of like the occasional, uh, you know, NPR host or something like that, you know, you would have comedians like, like Jimmy and, uh, Doug Benson with, uh, I love movies. Um, they would do this thing that was fun and allowed them to, to do the shows they wanted to do. And then like the idea of the podcast really caught on. And so then you started having like networks and TV shows coming up with their own. And suddenly those are the ones getting all the press. Meanwhile, some of us who've been around since 2007, uh, you know, we're, uh, I mean, we still have a perfectly fine audience. It's not a problem, but it's just one of those things where it's like how it started. I feel like kind of got drowned out by like the, no, no the professionals and stuff. So. Um, I have another question for you, Wayne, a stand-up question. Yes. Um, anything, any a, era. A, 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 well, a movie related stand-up question in your yeah. opinion. Cause I just yes. mentioned with the, the funny people thing, like people who hadn't done like stand up in a long time, starting to work out those muscles again. Is that, is that doable? Can someone become a famous stand up, leave stand up to be a movie star and become a mega movie star for years and then come back to stand up and can they ever be what it they were? Can they ever be good? They again? can't be the same as someone who's done it straight through, but they can be good. I thought, I actually thought Judd, I mean, I'm, partial because i was involved with that special which is very good eddie murphy was planning to come back and do stand-up this summer to promote um coming to america too this is exactly <laughs> the example i was thinking of yeah. it's like yeah could eddie murphy so i don't know we'll eddie see murphy? i mean could eddie murphy's return to snl be any better i felt i felt like that was a 9.5 out of 10 it was like, pretty good <laughs> That like, that Santa's elf yeah. sketch gets me. I love it. Yeah, I mean, it was incredible. It, so, yeah, I, th I, I do think you can. I do think you can do that. Okay. I don't know if Steve Martin could be able to recreate what he did because it was such sure. a moment in time kind of thing. But yeah, yeah, I do. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask a question yes. and I'm uh -oh. going to try, I'm going to try to avoid the whole uh, Mount Rushmore of comedians thing. Cause so many yeah. people say that sort of thing. Uh, pe people once asked us like, Oh, who would you say is the Mount Rushmore of directors? And we chose to take it very literally. So like, okay, who's the film director equivalent of like Teddy Roosevelt? And then like, Oh, well, who's the, like, okay, Thomas Jefferson owns slaves. So who's the, right. who's the problem? Okay. D.W. Griffith, obviously. Um, <laughs> But uh, so I'll try to avoid that. And I'll, instead, I will ask who your favorite stand up comedians are they, just throughout history. And then I'll also ask, because uh, this is what, when I when I talk to people who make films, it's like there's your inspirations and then there's your influences. So, like, who would you say, you know, sort of inspired you? Who are your favorites? But then who would you say your influences are as a as a comedian? Wow, Sorry to put tough. you on the spot. No, like that. that's like, that's a great question. Um, uh, Dave is looking at his phone, so it's <laughs> could care less about what <laughs> me in my life. It's fine. I yes, his questions. Now it's just us. Embarrassing. This is not. <laughs> I, I'm looking. I, I look up things. What are you looking up? About. Just I tell us. Up things Let's... to talk about. Can we or sometimes it? I just get texts yeah. from my well, wife. Okay, sure. She's sure. in the other room and wants to show me a cute picture of her okay. and our cat cuddling. All right, I can, deal with it. I can deal with it. Uh, the two screen experience. I know. I know that's how people enjoy media now. Yeah. One screen is not enough. Not enough. Um, well, I, I don't have like favorites. I mean, I think in my book, the book, it's reflected a little. This is the thing. I look at comedians the way I look at athletes. Like I can look at a long career or I can look at peak years 
Sure. Again, peak years, they were incredible. And then, but they didn't have the, the longevity. So, so there's still like, to me, and it might be my age, the brief one and a half or year period when Sam Kennison first hit hmm. was like, I never seen, heard anyone do comedy like that. Uh, <laughs> be as absolutely audacious on stage as he could be. It was just, but then he kind of morphed into this. Yeah. Drug women with, you know, dragging them around with on their, you know, with chains on their neck. It's like, it became insane. So, but the beginning of using the preacher's rhythm to push it through. And I, I just, I just was blown, still blown away by that period of a comedian's life. So that was pretty special, but I like the old school guy. I like Bob Hope. I like Milton Berle. No. Like the radio guys, and I love the new comedian. Like I, I like Sam Morell. I like uh, you know, I just really like comedy. Like all yeah, the way through. Is, that, that was actually going to be my question: Is who's great now? Like who's who's young? Oh and my great god, now? it's you know, it's incredible. Do you know? I mean, he's not in the book, but there's a guy in Britain. I think you guys would love called James Acaster. Do you know him? <laughs> no, I don't. He does these long form four part specials that all tie together. Oh, wow. And it's, yeah. It's really, it's very ambitious and really smart and interesting. I, you might like him. Um, I'd love, I mean, I know he's in the hospital right now, but Mulaney, I thought were, was doing some great stuff. Mm. Obviously Chappelle when he's on and, you know, is next level Maria yeah. Bamford. I'm sure you saw her numerous times. At sure. UCB. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. I just and, think yeah, she's Tiger a genius. Lily, yeah. I just think she's an absolute genius. I think Amy Schumer, when she's on her game is incredible. I just, it could go, I could just go on and on. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. so many great comedians and I do feel like the level keeps getting better. I know it's because it's such a subjective thing and people tend to like the people like bands that, you know, when they first saw, sure. And they're like, I'm the REM is going to be the greatest band, no matter what. It's like, oh, could it be that you're 40 years old? You know, could that possibly have anything to do with the fact you're making this opinion or 45 years old, I guess, would be better. Uh, so. So that's it. So what was the other question? Who are my influences? Like, yeah. I, there's some obscure comedians you've never heard of that influenced me. And so there was a guy named Roger Ray, who presentation house comedians, incredible. There's a, a guy you might have heard of Victor Borga. He's actually oh, in yeah. the, the king of comedy. Yeah. Um, I love that, too. So I like, you know, I'm a music act. So I like tend to like those guys a little bit. But Seinfeld yeah. in a I huge have way. multiple Victor Borga records. I'm a, you do? I'm, I'm a big fan. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love it. Yeah. Welcome. Yeah. We should talk about that, dude. So <laughs> great. Yeah. So when great. he plays uh, Happy Birthday, yeah, as yeah. it would be interpreted by different classical composers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's just—I just loved him, and that he, this whole story, didn't know the language, learned it by going to the movies, paying for a matinee, yeah. and just staying watching the movie five times until. Oh, that's, a, that's that's where he's an influence <laughs> on you. <laughs> <laughs> right, nothing to do with the comedy. <laughs> so uh, that's why these guys. This guy's got some life hacks for me. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I see. You just stay there, and the usher won't kick you out. Okay, interesting. <laughs> So, yeah, so I, I know it's kind of a boring uh, answer. There was a 
comedian that worked in Vegas named Pete Barbuti, who played the piano that I loved. Mm. And, you know, so those are influences. But Carson, I would say Carson a little bit, but mainly Seinfeld and Chandling and kind of that. Sure. That generation that was like right before me. I just loved the way they were writing and just, you know, especially Shanley. I really, yeah. and that I got to kind of be friends with him and be play his brother on the show. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just very heady for me. Yeah, I'm sure that's, uh, that would be insane. It's, I feel like <laughs> the, I'm trying to think like, I mean, there are a number of people like other podcasters or movie people that we've like had on the show. And there are times I'm like, like, I'll see, I'll see them on, on TV or something or an actor or director and I'll see them on TV and I'll be like, Oh, that guy's been in my house. That's weird. (laughs) And, and uh, I have to remind myself that like, yeah, this is a weird, this is a weird city we live in. Of course, of course, of course. But thank you for asking. I don't I don't really have that. I mean, I guess I should come up with a list or something, but I just love it all. I love it. And I write something in the beginning of the book. I said the stand up comedy in particular is very generational. And I'm sure sure you come up against this even with your film class. It's generational. So it's like what's acceptable to say on stage? What's People get offended. Like, I can't believe you people would ever laugh at that. Like, okay, well, they did. Okay. Just can you relax a little bit? (laughs) I think you'd need to teach that to some older comedians too, to just like, Hey guys, things change, you know, that's Uh, why I, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. uh, It's not that things aren't worse now than they were when you were coming up. It's just, it's different. Yeah. You can't say what you used to say on a college campus. Right. That's not, it's not any better or worse. It's just different. It's different and it's always changing. And that's one of the things I love about it. So, yeah. Well, this is a good place to wrap it up. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Thank you. This has been a ton of fun. The book is available at Amazon. Um, It's either you can get a digital version. You can get a a paperback version. Can't get an audio yet. That's coming out in a month. Uh, Really? Is it, is it you? I assume it's you, right? Oh, that's exciting. So you just uh, email Jay Bezos at Amazon.com <laughs> and, and tell him you, you want, want to... the history of stand up. <laughs> yeah. It's J dot Bezos. Make sure you right. get it right. Um, he uh, owns both, but he only checks one. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, you can find us at battleship pretension.com. Um, oh yeah. This week, the uh, uh, we're keeping pace with the Oscars. So our, the annual uh, battleship pretension awards, the BPs, uh, mm-hmm. the nominees came out this week. And sure. I don't know, we've been doing this a long time. I don't know. If there's been a year. I've been more happy with what uh, the battleship pretension crew uh, nominated. It's a really exciting. Year. Yeah, I'm sure. And that's, that's crowdsourced <laughs> by your, no, this uh, is, this is contributors. Contrib- that's uh, what I meant. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. 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 yeah so this it's, is... it's us, the other people who contribute to the website and then certain people who are, um, you know, regular guests, I guess. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where like, I, you know, you, you submit your, your, uh, the submissions and say like, Oh, well, I, I like this and I like that. And, uh, v- not many of mine worked their way in, but David did very well. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, okay. So, so that's why I'm happy with it. Cause most of so many of mine, yeah, my yeah. nominees made it. Yeah. Uh, well, so you can find that list at battleshippretension.com. You can email us at David at battleshippretension.com or Tyler at battleshippretension.com. You can follow me, David on Twitter at Davey pretension. You can follow Tyler at Tyler pretension. Tyler, do you have anything else? You want to plug? Uh, Not at the moment, no. 
And Wayne, do you uh, uh, anywhere people uh, can get a hold of you if you want them to? It's at Fetterman on Twitter. At Fetterman on Twitter. Uh, well, thanks again, uh, Wayne. This was a ton of fun. I know. I, I hope to be back in somebody's house slash apartment or if you're going to move again, wherever that is. I think we'll do it outside the Montgomery Ward. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Reporting live. We'll do a live show uh, and uh, to absolutely no response. But uh, but yes, this is tremendous fun. We will definitely try to have you on uh, more regularly than every uh, four years or so. (laughs) But uh, but yeah, so thank you, uh, everybody. Oh, right. Sorry, I forget that we do an ending thing here. For, All right. for 14 years we've been no i'm just saying for 14 years we've been saying the same thing at the end of every episode and suddenly tyler just like starts taking my line it's it's the patreon the patreon is throwing me off like both oh. with my opening lines and the way we end it I it see. really uh like i have to remind myself not to say ahoy because that's what i say at patreon and uh it's oh, very right. frustrating but, okay so uh, no the way yeah. these episodes end is i say thanks for listening we'll get you next time bye Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 